Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Talking Trading. I'm Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. Bull markets end like relationships break up with drama, impulsiveness and with very few people behaving like adults. The volatility in the markets last week provided a wild ride for traders and today we take an in-depth look at the market with two of our experts. Firstly, Niv Dargan from Peak Asset Management gives us a quick overview of the markets in Australia and the US. And secondly, Chris Tate takes a long look at the end of the bull and tells us what traders can be looking for over the next few weeks in their trading approach. We also hear from Louise Bedford in MindPower, who tells us the desire and ambition is the real fire in your life that determines your actions. But first up, here is Niv with a look at the week ending the 28th of August. Niv Darkin, hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Thanks, Caroline. Thanks for having me. Niv, is the bear starting to roar over in the US of A? Well, Caroline, it's been a definitely a tough week for investors. Um, we saw the Dow Jones last week fall from about 17,500 points all the way below 15,500 points. And we did see a late rebound in the markets. Now, that fall in the, in, in the Dow Jones was really exacerbated by China and oil price. So, look, investors are currently nervous. We do feel that the bears are still in control. But the market right now is very cautious leading into September. And what about the Australian market? Look, the Australian market has under underperformed relative to the US market. A lot of that has been driven by a falling Australian dollar and a falling commodity prices. So we are seeing oil, uh, zinc, base metals in general and the Aussie dollar exacerbate that underperformance. What we're finding, Caroline, is that investors are underweight Australia purely because of the macroeconomic data coming out, especially the CapEx numbers. Having said that, late last week, blue chip investors did come into the market roaring back and uh, we saw the market go from about 4,750 points and fight back to about 5,200 points. So it was actually a quite nice rebound, um, largely driven by a pickup in confidence and also a search for yield as investors try to pick up uh, beaten up blue chip stocks. Why is the volatility so strong? We saw the huge drop on Monday and the rally back on Tuesday. Why so much movement? Caroline, it's really been driven by fear and panic. So it was really driven by the Chinese equity market. The Chinese equity market fell 8% on Monday, and that led to a 214-point fall on the ASX um, on, on Monday as well. And what we're seeing in China is the government really starting to try to step in 
and try to really create a floor and some confidence in the market. But they're really um, not finding it uh, too easy because in China, a lot of the uh, volatility has been driven by excessive lending through their margin loans. So the margin loans increased from $2.5 trillion and has fallen since to about $1.3 trillion. Let's talk about the indexes around the world at the moment. They all have gone into bear territory. Would you recommend traders trade the bear indexes? Yeah, look, one, one way traders can neutralise their portfolios right now is, is twofold. Uh, one, they can actually buy an ETF that's listed on the ASX called the BEAR, and that's a stock code, BEAR. And uh, that's actually inversely correlated to the market. So if investors have their blue chip shares and they believe that there could be some further downside in the market, you could actually buy the bear ETF listed on the ASX. The other way to neutralize the portfolio is actually through buying the volatility index. And you could either do that through a CFD or, or, or the futures contract. If you believe that volatility is actually going to increase, it's a really nice hedge to neutralize your, your core portfolio. Niv Dargan, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks, Caroline. Thanks for having me. And now Mind Power with Louise Bedford. Desire is the great fire in your belly. The first step in any great endeavour is desire. Every action starts out with desire. Think to yourself, what is it that I'm ambitious about? Ask yourself, what do I really want in every area of my life? You know, the zombies around you, they're half awake. They're just going through the motions in life. They're lacking desire, fire, zest. So much of our excitement comes from doing something meaningful for ourselves. Our fun in life comes from striving to do more, be more, have more. Without that desire, your life becomes colourless and you live life at a fraction of your potential. Without desire, you begin to feel old before your time and you forget that the thrill of youth is in the chase. Chasing down your ambitions will fill you with energy, I guarantee it. Unfortunately, somewhere along the way, ambition got tied up with greed. We tend to denigrate our ambitions to others because we fear their judgment. However, I can tell you that every great trader in their gut had a desire to be a master of the markets. They wanted the results of trading or they revered the process of trading to such an extent that they managed to drive away their fears and worries and this freed them up to excel. Ambition and desire, it's not evil. What is it that you're really after? And are you after enough? Are you basing your desires and limiting yourself based on who you are and what you can achieve today? So many people limit themselves based on who they are right now and what they can achieve at this moment. Don't you see? You can grow into your ambition. Your ambition will pull you along towards it like it's a golden thread leading your actions, but only if you want it badly enough in the first place. Get clear on your desires. Your desire will drag your actions in the right direction so that you can achieve whatever it is that you truly want. Your single-minded purpose will be your motivation to act and become the trader that you really want to be. You are more powerful than you give yourself credit for. You deserve something extraordinary in your life, but first, 
You have to desire it. In the lead-up to the 2016 Mentor Program, Louise Bedford has invaluable free training. The Mentor Program is a repeat-for-free six-month course that teaches you how to trade every instrument over every time frame using your own customized trading plan. Ever since the year 2000, it has been booked out in record time. So, if you would like priority notification when Louise Bedford and Chris Tate are running the 2016 Mentor Program, as well as picking up free training along the way, register at tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority. That's tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority. Register now before you forget. All bulls and all bears eventually get tired, and last week saw the US market move downwards. Just as relationship breakups are rarely smooth and few people behave like adults, the end of bull runs in the market provide a similar level of drama. Chris Tate now gives his opinion and his advice to traders over the coming period. Chris Tate, hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Hi, Caroline. Chris Tate, is the bear starting to roar over in the US? The intriguing thing about the US is that the bull market that began in about 2009 has, for the majority of this year, evaporated. The US market simply gone sideways for about 240-odd days before it began to fall apart last week. It's intriguingly difficult to convince investors that that's occurred. And people are still locked into the notion that the US market is roaring away. Because they don't want to believe it? They simply don't want to believe it. We're caught in this confirmation bias. And it's difficult to convince them that you can't have a situation where the world's largest market, the US, has gone sideways for a year. The world's second largest market, China, was having its version of an epileptic fit. So how did that unravel in terms of the Australian markets? Because we saw incredible volatility last week, didn't we? We did. One of the things that's interesting about our market is that we have a two-tiered market. We have the broader market as defined by, say, the ASX 200 or the All Ordinaries, and we have the ASX 20. When you look at them, Mm. you see something profoundly interesting. You see that the broader market has meandered for five years. The ASX 20 has moved to challenge its pre-GFC highs. What that tells you is the market is has a strict dichotomy. All the action's been in the ASX top 20 stocks, and which you can see if you start to look at them, uh, particularly the banks, they've all been very, very, very strong. Even Telstra, which was a dog for years post-listing, has been immensely strong. But that strength hasn't filtered through to the rest of the market. So we've had a broader market that's meandered, a very pointy and that's been very, very strong. But... When the selling hit us last week, the selling was across the board. Our swings followed the swings in the US. All right, let's go to indexes around the world. There were comments on the forum and you posted a comment about the indexes, which are all falling. And generally, you said you don't like trading short indices. But... Yeah, one, one of the issues with an index is... It's necessary to take a step back and look at the construction of an index, how, what, what goes into making an index. There are certain criteria that goes into for certain criteria that a stock must pass 
or fulfil. As somewhat of a reductionist thinker, you can this can be boiled down to the stock needs to be going up to be included in the index. What this means, therefore, is indices by themselves have an upward bias. It's why, it, it, for example, it, it, when you wander into a financial planner or stockbroker's office, they've generally got a giant post of the all ordinaries and they point at it and they say, look, stocks always go up, to which point any sensible person would go, bullshit, you're a moron, they don't. Because what you've got writ large is an example of survivor bias. It's only those stocks that survive that are included in the index. Therefore, by definition, the index always goes up. This, this has sort of two implications. One for long-term investors in that you're being conned. The impl- there is another implication for shorter-term traders. And the implication is that you will always have this push to the high side. It's very, very difficult to successfully short indices. So should because- traders be shorting them now? That's a very, very good question, and unless I'll an- answer that with a caveat. The caveat is that short selling of any form, be it equities, be it a derivative, be it an index, is a specialised skill. And as we were chatting before, there is a an old Japanese saying that says, to take no action is an action. So it's perfectly acceptable to stand aside and let other idiots get poleaxed by trying to catch every minor movement in the market. And whilst the movement last week in the Dow and all world indices looked extreme, in relative terms, they're not that bad. You're looking at, you know, 10% decline. That's not enough to get really started unless you're immensely quick and you took advantage of that. We probably had anywhere between one and a half and two and a half trading sessions where you could have taken advantage of being short the index before you got that recovery and it ripped back up and it would have obliterated most short positions on that recovery. You know, we've got that elastic band effect of you stretch an elastic band too far, it'll either give or when you let go, it will spring back savagely. And this is very common at the top of a market for this volatility to be happening. One of the things that's very difficult to convince people of is the bull markets actually end <laughs> and they actually end with a burst. They, they, they never end gracefully. It's like any breakup. <laughs> no breakup ends with adult behaviour. It ends with tantrums, things being thrown on the lawn, cars being keyed, uh, your ties being cut in half, all those sort of psycho things. And that's the way bull markets end. Okay, your ideal trade in a bull market is very, very flat for a long time and then it breaks out yes. and starts to bull. What does your ideal trade in a bear market look like? Actually, the reverse. So that congestion, which we've seen, particularly in the US, then a smash through the congestion. But again, we, we run into this problem of the natural optimism of people and the desire of governments to interfere and intervene and to try and talk markets up continually. And one of the problems that people face when they come to the notion of short selling, let, let's imagine a scenario where markets continue to fall for the next few months. The first thing that will happen is that governments will ban short selling because that has now become their default response. They did it during the GFC in that what they attempted to do was to reduce volatility because what it actually did is it increased volatility because short sellers actually provide a valuable liquidity function. They also provide a function for buying back into markets. So the volatility markets went through the roof. 
the moment short selling was banned. So you run into that sort of legislative response, which if US markets continue to fall, if our market falls savagely, will be their default setting. Shorting indices runs into a variety of problems. And if you look at markets, if you look at an index over time, there are not that many periods where it goes down for extended periods of time. So let's go to what is positive about the markets at the moment. What patterns are jumping out from the charts and what opportunities are you looking at? The thing that's most interesting is that something's actually happened because for a year, nothing happened in the US at all. It went sideways. And so once you get something happening and once you get a lift in volatility, you do get that opportunity occurring. Now, there's been a lot of talk about how volatile markets are. The market's certainly not as volatile as it was in 2011. It's certainly not as volatile as it was immediately during the GFC. There has been a staggering lift, though, in volatility, but it's come off a very, very low base, and that low base is a function of the fact that we've just gone nowhere. There's a few things that interest me, but strangely enough, they're not in equity markets. There's a very interesting counter-trend bounce occurring in crude oil. For the first time in ages, crude has a small bounce. Now, at present, it appears to be only a counter-trend bounce, and it really is only two trading periods where it's been very positive, but it's the first time in ages it's shown any sign of life whatsoever. We did have a similar counter-trend bounce in gold, but that has seems to have completely run out of steam and completely unwound itself. So that is problematic. The other thing that has caught my eye and is interesting, and and simply from an observational perspective, is the price of iron ore. Iron ore has been shot to pieces forever. But a few weeks ago it made a low. It's now made a higher low, and it seems to be holding. So at least the disaster that has unfolded in iron ore prices for the past, God knows how long, it seems to be an eternity now, seems to be unwinding. And and this always happens. You get to a point where, in sustained trends, the the predominant party just becomes fatigued. Bears become fatigued, bulls become fatigued, and it doesn't take much to switch them around. But the one that does interest me is oil. The players involved are so interesting because it's been a pissing contest between the Americans and the Saudis. What advice would you give to traders in the markets this week and over the next coming few weeks? Again, it's my view is one of isolationism. The worst thing that people can do in these times is to actually listen to other people. The worst thing people can do is to turn on the television and listen to talking heads. The noise seems to get louder in these it, volatile It does. Times. And, and the incompetent voices begin to get louder as well. And that's simply a function. That, that's simply a function of credibility. The louder your voice the less credibility you have. So traders should isolate themselves from the noise over the next coming weeks. Anything else? It's really a matter of trading. If you're going to trade, you need to trade what you see, not what you think you see, nor, more importantly, what you want to see. Too many traders take trades that are simply not there, other than in their own mind. There is nothing wrong with stepping back and simply saying, I'm, I'm just going to let this one go. Because there is the old saying that pioneers are the ones with arrows in their back. And so let somebody else go and get shot. 
the market will be there tomorrow. Go and do something much more interesting. Chris Tate, thank you very much for your time this morning. Thanks, Caroline. And that's all we have for you today, guys. Stay tuned next week for a fascinating interview with Michael Yardney from Metropole Property Solutions on the differences between the way rich and poor people think. I'm Caroline Stephen, and on behalf of the team, thanks for your company. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary, and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.